Welcome to our show, Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richer. I'm a psychotherapist and the owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. Each week, I'm joined by another therapist from the Anchor Light team to tackle important topics in mental health and psychotherapy. Our goal is to promote well-being by normalizing mental health challenges. We are here holding ground for you every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKNW. Good morning and welcome to Holding Ground, the show that brings you a little bit of everything in the realm of psychotherapy and mental health. My name is Laura Richer and I am the founder of Anger Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. And today I am here with my co-host, Michelle Mooney, who is a licensed trauma and couples therapist at Anchor Light. We are here every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on uh, KKNW. And you can also listen to us anytime you want if you want to head over to the Anchor Light website at anchorlighttherapy.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. So good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Laura. Good morning to everyone who's listening. Uh, yeah, uh, so today let's just jump right into it. We are going to talk about the 13 most common uh, couples arguments. And actually, we're going to divide that up in between two episodes. So we're going to start with the first um, six today, and then next week we're going to have the rest for folks. So yeah, and then also how to handle these arguments when they come up. So as couples therapists, we work with a lot of different couples who often have very similar issues, things that are really common that show up in relationships. And so today we're just going to dive into those, those common things, and they can be simple things. They can be things like how your partner makes your coffee or your eggs and maybe you like it or you don't, or it can be bigger issues like finances and how you spend money, money or um, how you parent your children. So in the research of the Gottman's, which is a counseling methodology that we lean into quite a bit at Anchor Light Therapy, uh, the Gottman's were a couple that researched love and marriage and relationships at the University of Washington and came up with all sorts of science and data around relationships. They found that most problems are just, they can't be solved, that mm -hmm. two people have two different opinions. And so the goal is not to get each other to agree with each other, which is often why people come in, they want their, their partner to agree with them, but sometimes that's just not going to happen. And so we want to instead learn how to have the conversation in a more productive way. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. Um, so yeah, conflicts are really just different point of views, like you're saying, and it's very natural to have these again, we're always going to have fights, we're always going to have conflict, but it's how are we doing it? Um, and how are we working together with the issue versus, you know, me versus you, it's us versus the problem. Yeah, exactly. So Laura, shall I jump into the first one? Yeah. So like you said, we're going to talk about the top 13 uh -huh. conflicts that people have. We'll get into the top six today. And the next yeah. week we'll be following up with the rest of our list. But I think that number one is probably the one I hear most mm -hmm. about in session. Mm -hmm. So what is number one, Michelle? Household responsibility. Yes. So there's a lot going on there. Um, you know, we're getting away from like societal norms and like kind of like the more like past, you know, kind of sexist roles in terms of like, well, the woman keeps house, I go to work, right? Um, so uh, we really need to get on the same page. And it's really not about keeping score. We see that a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you telling me I didn't do the dishes and I come back at you and I'm like, well, I didn't see you mow the lawn recently, mm -hmm. right? So now we're not talking about the dishes anymore. 
we're talking about all these different things. We're becoming defensive and keeping score in that way. And, you know, it's really helpful if we can focus on our strengths. So maybe you are the great one in the garden and I'm someone who's handy and fixing things around the house. And we divide up and conquer in that way. And we're both contributing in ways that, um, you know, are linked to our strengths and that, you know, so it's more even, so to speak. Um, so we really want to discuss our expectations. You know, uh, when we get together, maybe one person in the couple is very clean and needs everything in a particular way. And the other person's like, ah, well, my jacket can go wherever I want when yeah. I get home. Um, so coming, you know, somewhere in between and understanding each other's perspective. And yeah, those are two really good points. So one, and this comes up quite a bit, it's just different standards of how things should be. Mm -hmm. Some people might be more relaxed in how they manage the uh, household. Someone mm -hmm. else might have really strict standards. Mm -hmm. And you might not ever agree about that. One of you might just think some things are more important than the other one does. And so it's, again, trying to find a way to work together and then mm -hmm. instead of changing each other's minds. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, we're so busy. We have so much going on. Everyone is tired and overwhelmed. It's very easy to feel like you're the one who's yep. doing the most. Yep. And so I love the idea of sitting down and I work with couples who will make like even a chore chart for themselves, yep. not just for their kids yep. uh -huh. that helps them identify. Cause sometimes it's easy to think, Oh, wow. I've been doing all this stuff inside. I'm doing all the work, all the mm -hmm. dishes, but you forget that your partner maybe always takes the garbage out or mows the lawn or, you know, does the, does the laundry. And so sometimes sitting down and just having those conversations mm -hmm. can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, there's some cards a couple was telling me about the other day called fair play. Have you ever worked with these cards before? No, but I want <laughs> well, I haven't either, so just full disclosure, I don't know if they're good or not, um, but it was kind of, it makes a game out of, uh, you know, looking at who does what in the yep. household and mm -hmm. making it and a strategy for making things, sure that things are a little more, mm -hmm. more balanced, because this is a conflict that I work with couples often about, mm -hmm. um, and then it, it, it results in bigger issues. It absolutely does. Yeah. 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 And there's, uh, I think it's important to share with one another in a compassionate way, not in a kind of, well, you don't do this, but I do this, but sharing with one another, what you do do around the house. Mm -hmm. Cause oftentimes, you know, maybe I don't notice that you're cleaning up all my cups after me, you know, mm -hmm. you know it and you're getting exhausted, maybe resentful. And I wouldn't have known that, you know, you're doing these things around the house. So it's important to talk about those things as well. And, um, yeah, the divide and conquer, uh, concept in the chore chart is really great. Um, I have seen a couples where like household tax tasks are the most, like you're saying, the biggest problem in their relationship. Mm -hmm. So trying to like divide and conquer and work on the household is just so strenuous and it's just presents so much conflict and they can't get even on the same page about, do we want a, a chore chart or not? Well, that's done, you know, yeah. so <laughs> it can really get out of hand. So, um, and once you do talk about these things and share with one another, like, Hey, I, you know, I've done this. And did you notice that I've done that? Show appreciation. Yeah. Right. You know, thanks for getting the newspaper off the lawn you know yeah well, people still get those but you know, um, <laughs> you know <laughs> right thanks for always yeah. you know making sure the beds turn down at night whatever it might be right well and it's important to notice the underlying issue so it's not really about the newspaper on the lawn or the dishes in the sink it's really about you know there's different themes that come up so do I feel supported by you do I feel like I can depend on you are you reliable if I say that I need your help are you going to be there mm -hmm. so while the the dishes feel very trivial oftentimes mm -hmm. 
And that's what the argument is about. It's really about the underlying themes. Mm -hmm. Do you respect me? Do yeah. you care about me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, I get home and the house hasn't been vacuumed and the kids' toys are everywhere. And, you know, I um, am very upset about that. And, I, you know, again, I come at you and like, the house is my, is it really about that? Or is it, gosh, he knows how hard I work and mm -hmm. he couldn't even think of me or be thoughtful enough to have the house in a good condition mm -hmm. when I'm home, right? right? You don't value me or appreciate me enough to, actually do these things around the house so that's the underlying things that yeah. are really there yep. yeah and so like you said a good remedy for that is showing appreciation yep. and recognition mm -hmm. and maybe sometimes checking in to see if things are balanced and it's interesting a lot of times when I work with couples things are balanced they uh -huh. just don't recognize it because exactly. we aren't very aware of what the other person is doing and we just all feel so stressed out with so mm -hmm. much going on so mm -hmm. it's easy to feel like I'm the one who's doing everything yeah, absolutely. It's almost like you don't realize what's happening until it stops happening. Right? Yeah. We use the microwave every single day. We don't really think about it, but when it breaks, we definitely notice, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, all this stuff can be going on. We're not even really paying attention to it. So again, um, you know, sharing with one another, showing the appreciation. And appreciation is really like positive reinforcement. Yeah. Right? Oh, she was really happy about that. So yeah. I'm going to make, you know, you know, three dinners this week. So, yeah. Yeah. And you, the other point that you brought up that comes up quite a bit, um, especially with their, when there's neurodiversity in a couple. Mm -hmm. So maybe one of the partners has autism or ADHD and the other person is neurotypical. They're going to have different mm -hmm. ways of how they approach doing mm -hmm. tasks. Maybe a client with ADHD who would do things very last minute or not have a really regimented schedule and how they approach doing tasks. Right. While maybe something more anxious or neurotypical feels uneasy if things aren't done on a schedule. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's just always some room, too, for acceptance and, yeah. and recognizing that your partner may have a different way of being or a different way of doing things than you do. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that could be a deal breaker and that's OK or it might not be. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, Laura, what's the next one? So alone time. So every healthy relationship needs some balance. We can't be together every day, all day, all the time. It's good to have a moment away from each other or a little space. Um, and different people need different amounts of space. Yeah. So some people need a lot of space. They need a lot of alone time. They need to be able to cultivate separate interests from their partners. And then other people really enjoy companionship and they might want to be with their partners most of the time. Mm -hmm. And so you want to find that balance. And if you differ on those two things, that can present a challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. So like you're saying, some people need more alone time than others. So, you know, we talk about introverts and extroverts and really what that is, is how do you get your energy back? So if you're an introvert, you get your energy back for, and, you know, you reset by being alone. Mm -hmm. And if you're an extrovert, well, you want to be around people all the time and that's where you get your energy. Um, so we really need to understand that about one another. And, you know, alone, if I need alone time, it's not saying I need to be away from you, mm -hmm. right? It's I need to be with myself for a while. Yeah. Or it might be saying I would like to be away from well, you. Because, <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Well, but it might not be negative. I might want time with my my girlfriends or my guy friends. I might want time to engage in a hobby that you are not interested in or not a part of. Mm -hmm. um, and that can all be really healthy as long as there's connection. There's places where your lives intersect. If you have too much separation and too much alone time from each other, then you might not find yourself wanting to be together anymore. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Michelle, number three, what is another conflict that we see with couples? Mm, handling emotions mm. and the difference around that. That's a huge one. So emotional insight and, and understanding, it's a big spectrum. And so 
um, you know, this again can be really difficult for a lot of reasons. And one thing that can show up is labeling emotions, especially during conflict. So, you know, if I'm just assuming, you know, maybe you frown, well, you're angry at me again today. And it's like, well, no, maybe she just had a hard day at work. Or of course you're disappointed again. What's even the point? So labeling the emotions of the person that, you know, we don't actually know what's going on versus like, hey, you know, you seem a little bit down today. Do you want to share that more with me? Versus labeling and then assuming what's going to happen based on that. That's a very common thing. And we see this a lot with couples who are in therapy, we call negative sentiment override, Mm -hmm. that they've had enough negative interaction with each other that they're anticipating a negative reaction Mm -hmm. from their partner and they are taking it personally. So maybe your partner rolls their eyes because they spilled some milk on the counter and you assume that they're mad you left the milk there. And Mm -hmm. so then a conflict just starts Mm -hmm. out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. A lot of times couples will tell me we get into these conflicts that just take on a life of their own. And we don't even know how we got there. We don't even know why it started. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that is what's happening is that you have made assumptions about each other instead of just saying, hey, I saw you roll your eyes. What are you upset about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is there something stuck in there? (laughs) Do we need a new contact? Or, you know, is there something actually going on here? Yeah. I mean, to your point, I see that a lot in terms of, okay, here's a new skill. We're agreeing to work on this together. Well, yeah, but he hasn't done it before. No, 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 no. Right. Let's give the benefit of the doubt that moving forward, hopefully, you know, we're going to be able to be on the same page with these things. Um, One thing that really uh, can be an issue is if somebody's uh, out of touch with their own emotions, if they're not able to know what they're feeling, they're not able to attune to their own emotions and know like, hmm, kind of depressed today, right? What do I need to, you know, uh, what is that emotion asking of me? So we can't do it for ourselves. Well, I certainly can't do it for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, So that becomes a huge uh, issue as well. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, in our last episode, and if you didn't hear it, you might want to go listen to it after this show about the nervous system. Sometimes what's happening to people is that they're observing their partner's emotions and they're anticipating that something negative is happening. Mm -hmm. Their nervous system is becoming dysregulated. And so they're going into fight or flight mode. And so maybe nothing has happened, but they become defensive or critical because they are anticipating some kind of conflict. So a lot of times too, it's good to check in and go, oh, wow, I just noticed myself responding or reacting to this and feeling upset. What is this really about? Is there really a threat in my environment? It is, is it really time to fight? Or did I just sense that my partner's unhappy about something? Maybe it's not even about me. Right. It's not, a a, you know, and like you're saying that it's kind of like zero to a hundred where, um, you know, suddenly you're worried that the relationship is going to be over, right? Because he's mad at me again or whatever that might be. So, and another thing too, is uh, holding space for the fact that you're going to have different experiences around different emotions. So, you know, because I grieve one way, I can't expect that of my partner, right? Like, well, it only took me two years, Mm -hmm. you know, time to get over it. It's like, no, no, we have to hold space for however uh, our partner is experience their emotions. Yes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's really challenging for people because they're uncomfortable. If my partner is sad and grieving, maybe that's making me uncomfortable yeah. and bringing yeah. me down. And maybe I feel bad for them, but I don't know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. And that can create a sense of powerlessness that might even make me angry. And I might be upset with them and say, well, I wouldn't have handled it that way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not effective. People are feeling what they're feeling. And if you tell them that their feelings are invalid, they're mm-hmm. not going to go, oh, well, thanks for pointing that yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thanks for gasolighting me today. Yeah, it felt great. They're yeah. going to feel resentful. <laughs> they're going to be defensive. They might be critical or angry, and you're not going to be in a good place. So also just allowing somebody to have some space 
to have their own emotions. And if you're uncomfortable with it, you can take space too. And maybe you need to take a break or step away. Um, but not trying to manage the other person's emotional state. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What do we got next? So other things that cause conflict. Well, communication. I think everyone I talk to in a couple's therapy consultation says that they want to improve their communication. Um, and so there's a lot of reasons why people have difficulty communicating. Um, some people just are not comfortable talking about their feelings or expressing their thoughts or ideas. Mm -hmm. For many reasons, that could happen. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've experienced childhood trauma or mm -hmm. relational trauma in another relationship. Right. And so they're already fearful, even opening up from the beginning. Yeah. Um, some people kind of over-communicate mm -hmm. and, and don't let create space and, and are talking all the time and that they don't allow their partner to express how they're feeling. So there's a lot of different communication styles. Um, but we do know from the Gottman research that if you are using criticism or you're being attacking or mm -hmm. um, pointing out faults uh, in your communication, if you're defensive and you are not uh, accepting someone else's feedback, mm -hmm. well, I was disappointed when you didn't show up for me. Well, well I was Yeah, exactly. So nobody feels validated. Yeah. Everyone is frustrated. The conversation doesn't move forward. Contempt is probably the most toxic yeah. thing you can have in your relationship. Mm -hmm. Contempt is when you position yourself as superior to your yeah. partner yeah. and you're, you're doing something to diminish them or their experience. So rolling your eyes, mm -hmm. snarky comments, yeah. Um, exasperated sighs are all contemptuous type behaviors. It's like, I've had enough of you. I'm right. done. And that can look really exaggerated too. Like mm -hmm. I'm putting you down in your character and you're mm -hmm. terrible and you look, you know, horrible today. I mean, it's just really like you're saying, try to make the other one smaller. And but with the illusion of I'm going to be superior. Yeah. You know, sort of way. Yes. Yeah. And then I'll effectively get my point across. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, finally, yeah. <laughs> no, that does not work very well. I think stonewalling is just shutting down. And so if you don't, and these are really um, common patterns of communication that we can all default into anytime. I am guilty of it myself sometime. I'm sure you are too. Yeah. Not you, Michelle. No. Okay. <laughs> um, so, but we want to, we want to learn skills to not default to those negative tactics because they're just not effective and we're not going to feel like we're getting anywhere and we're, the fights are going to be circular in nature. So people, a lot of times when they come to couples therapy, will be like, we get into these fights. We just can't get out of, they just go round and round. And I've had people that are up fighting in the middle of the night and, mm -hmm. you know, they just cannot back out of the argument. And a lot of times it's that it's because some of these things are at play. Absolutely. Yep. So how do you avoid these things? What do you tell people, Michelle? Well, there's antidotes to um, a lot of these. So if we, let's go back to contempt real quick. So again, that's really, I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. Try to take time to really think about how much you appreciate your partner and how fond you are of them. Trying to keep a, either a mental list or there's even um, activities we'll give people in session right here. Take this home. It's a huge list of things you can appreciate about one another. Really focus on this. And, you know, so if I check off, Laura's brave and I admire that. Well, give an example, right? Well, she was brave last week when she took that promotion and she had no idea how much they were going to pay her, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, so really getting into the mindset of positive things, appreciation, things that I admire about you. Um, yeah, defensiveness, like you said, is taking responsibility mm -hmm. for what's going on. Like, 
hey, you're right, I did raise my voice just a little bit, right? Where you're taking responsibility for how we show up either in the conflict or what it is that started the conflict um, in, in the first place. Um, and a big yeah. piece with defensiveness, because sometimes people will have a, a hard time with this because they'll say, well, I didn't raise my voice. I'm not going to, to do that. I'm not going to say I did it if I don't feel that I did. Mm -hmm. That is fine. You're not always going to agree about everything like we said, but what you want to validate is that that was that person's experience. So while you might think they are out of their minds and you were just speaking in your normal everyday voice, mm -hmm. you might want to say, Hey, I see the tone of this is starting to stress you out. Like, let's just Absolutely. bring this back down. But you're acknowledging what their experience is. You don't even have to say, I was yelling if you don't feel like you were, but just acknowledging what they're trying to communicate to you, validating their experience. A lot of that validation goes a very long way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what about uh, criticism and stonewalling? What would you say the... So criticism is always bad, um, but complaints and concerns are okay. So you're allowed to communicate dissatisfaction yeah. and you will, uh, you will need to at times because again, we have points where we disagree. Mm -hmm. What's important though, is you don't make it an attack. So criticism can be an assumption about somebody's character. You didn't do the dishes because you don't care about me. Mm -hmm. And it's an assumption around their intentions. Um, when you when you tell somebody that their intention is different than what they think it is, they automatically are not listening to you anymore. Absolutely. If I think I love you and that I just didn't do the dishes because I got busy at work and now you're yelling at me, I'm not listening to anything that you you have to say. Absolutely. So it's not it's not effective communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then stonewalling, um, you know, we need to take breaks, you know, again, listen to our episode from last week, you know, regulate your nervous system, come back to, you know, a lot of times people will take their breaks and then they're like, well, that's over and we're not going to revisit it. No, it's going to keep coming back and yeah. let you uh, repair it. So, yeah. And one thing I want to point out about taking breaks, it's really important when your nervous system is dysregulated to go ahead and take a break and give yourself that. However, we don't want to weaponize taking breaks. Yes. And sometimes that happens is that the person will say, hey, I can't or, or or use it as a reason not to resolve the issue. So I need to take a break. That's great. You should take a break. You should also say when you're coming back to the conversation, mm -hmm. let the person know that you're. it's not punitive, that you just need a moment to compose yourself. You're not abandoning them. You're not walking away from them because they're ridiculous, right. that you're just taking a moment. So, so taking a break can be healthy, but it also can be toxic if you're using it in a negative way. Yeah, I've seen once where, you know, we're going over taking a break and why that would be healthy. It was a very contentious couple. And then one person took it as I could disappear for four and a half days. And well, Michelle said, take a break, you know, yeah. and we don't want to do it like that, right? Yeah. That's weaponizing it. So, and that's not coming back and repairing what was going on. So. Yeah. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, if somebody wants a break and your nervous system is dysregulated and you don't want to let them have a break because you feel anxious and you want to resolve, resolve it right now, mm -hmm. you need to figure out how to self-soothe in those moments. Don't try to keep somebody in a conversation that they are, they are shutting down from. Yeah. Cause again, you'll just, there, nothing productive will happen. Mm -hmm. You'll probably say some things you don't mean, and then there'll be more cleanup on the other side. And it's just better to put a pin in it for a minute. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
So next one we have is sex and intimacy. Yes. So this can be a huge divide. A lot of times couples will come in want to work on communication and our sex life and our intimacy. So, um, you know, uh, one thing we want to do in the very beginning of a relationship is talk about our sexual needs and talk about, hey, you know, that I'm a very sexual person and well, you know, I'm kind of, you know, not right. Or I'm more asexual or whatever it might be. Get on the same page because then, right, we can make assumptions about, you know, what our sex life is going to look like and then be let down later. Um, so um, couples often don't even know how to talk about intimacy. Mm -hmm. And that really can be rooted in th things like the way we're brought up, right? Maybe we weren't allowed to talk about that. I don't say that, right? Mm -hmm. Or our religious um, backgrounds really can also make it. So, we, you know, we never really talked about sex. It can feel like a shameful thing. So, you know, teaching folks even how to bring up the conversation of sex and feeling comfortable and not feeling shame in that um, and so, um, you know, part of it too is like, um, even if you're not physically intimate, like if you're having tr uh, troubles around your sexual relationship, we still want to feel desired by our partner. That can feel horrible if our partner is not complimenting us on our looks or, you know, how attractive we are or anything. So we want to know that we're desired, even maybe if we're not quite intimate at that moment. And so, um, and then building up our sexual intimacy relationship. Um, a lot of people, you know, think like, okay, we're not doing it. And then, yep, we're going to be having sex every two weeks or, you know, five times a day or whatever it might be. And we have to make baby steps back to that, right? So to get back to physical intimacy, maybe we start to be more intentional about hand holding, or I put my hand on your leg when we're watching a movie, like easing back into the, you know, maybe you want a massage, something like that doesn't have to be just you know sex yeah mm -hmm. yeah and I would say people who and and an exceptional would be somebody who's had some sort of like sexual trauma right. that that can be a completely different thing mm -hmm. but a lot of times issues that couples have around sex and intimacy have to do with not having a, a, a connection with each other so maybe I don't see you all day we're bickering most of the time yeah. we're stressed out because we have young children and big careers mm -hmm. and so then that breaks that connection and so a big part of improving sexual intimacy is improving emotional intimacy which is something that we address often mm -hmm. in couples therapy mm -hmm. and many people have been just surprised to find out that like it does matter one one couple I had she was like if he would just help more around the house I would want to have sex with him more. <laughs> yeah, and he just yeah. could not understand that as a concept but it was true because she felt supported and loved when he helped her out and when she felt like she, more of the the load was on her mm -hmm. she just was angry with him so she wasn't interested mm -hmm. yeah and I am glad you brought up the sexual uh, trauma piece because mm -hmm. that can be, it has to be a much more intentional uh, process, you know, a lot more consent. Hey, can I do this? Are you comfortable with this tonight? Setting up really strong values uh, or I'm sorry, boundaries around safety and what feels safe to that person. And the, you know, the pace that they want to engage in their sexual relationship from the beginning. Maybe if you get off track, it doesn't matter, right? We have to make that much more slow, intentional. And then again, consent is a piece yeah and that would the person that experienced that trauma would probably would most likely require their own um individual therapy prior to maybe even bringing their partner into their, that therapy so that might not be something we start with yeah always yeah. in couples therapy but everyone has all kinds of different situations well michelle we are out of time for today i thought right. that we would get a little further on in our list but we will come back next week and we will continue this conversation around the most common couples arguments so we hope that you tune in next week to hear the rest of this episode at tuesday at 9 30 a.m bye Thanks for tuning in to Holding Ground. You can hear us here every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKNW. 
I'm Laura Richard, Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. And we'll see you next week.